Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, it is Monday, the 10th of January. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm your host, Carmen LaBerge. If you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. We seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the headline news of the day. We um, seek to prepare one another to walk out into the world that God so loves in ways that honor Jesus. It is it, it's a challenge to be a Christian in the context of the world. It always has been. It always will be. Um, and so how how do we do that today? How do we how do we rejoice today with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? How do we present our concerns to God? How do we walk by faith and not by sight? Those are some of the conversations we're going to have uh, today. So welcome. There is terribly tragic news this morning out of New York City. Nineteen people have died. Dozens are hospitalized with smoke inhalation related injuries following a fire that really became a smoke event, a smoke and soot event. It started when a space heater malfunctioned in a 120-unit, 19-story apartment building in the Bronx. Uh, Many people ignored uh, the fire alarm at first because apparently the fire alarm goes off a lot. And then the stairwells turned into basically smoke-filled chimneys as people did try to flee. It is New York City's worst fire in years, and it comes on the heels of another deadly fire in Philadelphia, uh, that took place in a in a public housing facility last week. So let's be praying today. Um, and then let's also be people who, like, have sober conversations with our families. Like, your family should have a plan. My family uh, should have a better plan than we do. Um, kids should know that if you, uh, if you touch a doorknob and it's hot, don't open the door. If you open the door and there's smoke in the hallway, close the door. Get a towel. Soak it with water. Put it at the base of the door. Do not open windows. Um... You know, stay low, smoke rises, like all kinds of things that our kids should know, um, that we should know, that we should be diligent about. Um, and and we have to talk about things that we would rather not imagine ever happening. We need to be people, as the Bible describes, who are sober-minded and vigilant. On the good news front today, there's an uh, an old idea that's new again. It, you, might, um, you might think of automation and self-serve lines as you know, like an encroaching robotic reality. But um, lots of small stores and retailers have moved to a form of self-checkout that doesn't involve electronics at all. Um, It just returns us to the days of the honor system. And so I'm going to describe this as an old idea that's new again and consider uh, how it might provoke conversations today about the honor system and, and honesty and how we honor one another and being honorable. Uh, so as more and more stores rely on self-checkout in response to both labor shortages and consumer demands, there's all kinds of mom and pop shops and just, you know, regular folks trying all kinds of methods just to stay in business. 
And so I loved this story from Little City Books out of Hoboken, New Jersey. Uh, They're using the honor system. There's nobody to man the store when, let's say, schools close or you have to take care of a sick family member. And so uh, the owner of Little City Books said, well, think, you know, roadside produce stand where you might get anything from fresh eggs to seasonal berries. Um, Here, people can come and browse the shelves and use Venmo to pay for what they take. Um, And we simply trust them to do that. So what does that look like, uh, the honor system today? Who, um, who is selling what on the side of the road near where you live or in a storefront that has become self-serve and uses the honor system? I want to hear those stories. You can text me at 877-933-2484, or you can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. We have um, friends who sell eggs at the end of their driveway. We have other friends who sell um, firewood wrapped in little bundles. For campfires and uh, you know and other you know other things you might need a load of firewood for at the end of their driveway what are people selling at the end of their driveway or is there a store that has gone to the honor system where you live um, is that even something you could imagine considering text me 877-933-2484 or email me the story carmen at myfaithradio.com dave brewing and i are going to talk about the new year as a time to repent and reset what do we need to turn from uh, as we turn the leaf on this new year? We're going to have that conversation next with Dave. Share. You can find what we're talking about today at lionshare.org. I also understand that Lionshare now has an app. There's an app for that. Dave, Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you. There's, a, there's an app for that. Yeah, hey, let me tell you about that. Uh, I'm excited about this because what the app contains is 366 free daily video devotionals. And what they are, Carmen, is... is um, my one of the big things I carry in my heart is that the image of God that people carry inside of them affects how they live their daily life. So what we did is 366 two-minute video devotionals on the character of God. So if you go through the whole thing in a year, we cover 101 aspects of God's character three to four days each. So you get to renew your mind this year from the scriptures of what is God really like. So it's, I'm excited about it. So if you go to go to your place where you get your apps and you type in Lionshare Leadership Group, you'll find it there. Yeah, actually, it just pops up. I typed in Lionshare, and it's um it's pretty it, pretty quick to um to pop up there. Lionshare Leadership Group is the name of the app. I'm installing it now. Um, so I'm going to be watching your two minute daily um, video devotionals. Thank you, Dave. That's such a gift. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. All right. So um, New Year's. It is a new year. Um, all kinds of things that we have conversations about at the beginning of a new year. Yeah. You're suggesting that it's a good time to reset. And for Christians, that means repentance. Talk with us about that. Yeah. You know, for me, the, the new year is always a great time to kind of reference where I've been reference where I'm going. And it's a great place to be able to just say, okay, is there, this is Dave's language now, is there anything in my life that is out of alignment with the Lord? 
Is there any attitudes? And, and, I, and I don't mean this by kind of like navel-gazing and introspection. I mean coming before the Lord and just saying, Lord, is there any of my relationships that are out of sorts that I need to make right? Is there anything in my relationship with you where I've been you know, less obedient and more focused on myself? Is there anything that you've asked me to do maybe last year that I didn't follow through on? And so it's a, it's a great opportunity to realign our own relationship with the Lord, which includes just our love and affection, relationship with him, and also the things that he's asked us to do. I, I, I like in the scriptures where Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I don't think that ever means like a prove it. I think it just means kind of like a natural overflow of loving God well is, is our obedience. So it's kind of taking a look at those two areas of our lives. Mm. All right. I love that. So um, when we think about repentance, like that sounds uncomfortable and um, and like something that maybe we don't really want to do. When you talk about repentance, um, can you kind of frame that for us? What are we doing or how are we entering into repentance? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think, you know, way too many of us have just seen the big signs, you know, someone holds up that says repent, whether it's on a uh, at a at a ball game in the fan fandom in the background or it's on a street somewhere in a city and and it is it's a it's a word that sometimes can feel uncomfortable for us and yet the bible really teaches us that it's a gift it's a gift of repentance it's it's allowing us to get rightly aligned with god and the process of it is this is where we have to have to kind of get in touch with our hearts and say okay god what's really in there and when we allow the Spirit of God to, to, in a moment of quiet, to reveal what's really in there, repentance really is, it's a turning around. It's a, um, if you want to look at it this way, like the prodigal son, it's a heading back home to where our heart really needs to be. So it's, it, it's some might say it's a command. Yes, you could make that argument 100%. But it's also really an invitation to get our hearts back to where they really need to be so that we can walk well with God, enjoy his presence, walk in obedience to him. So so think of it as a turning around and a heading back home. Yeah, I love that. All right, um, Dave, I'm wondering if um, if you can talk with us a little bit more about, um, about like inviting it, um, asking the Holy Spirit to do the things that, mm-hmm. you know, frankly, I'm, <clears throat> I'm too afraid to do myself. And frankly, I, I couldn't do, I wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to do. So mm-hmm. um, if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, you know, um, the Holy Spirit might convict me of my sin, but then I don't really know what to do mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's you, uh, we, we've, um, we've got something really special for you. Um, we've, got, uh, we've got the way to invite the Holy Spirit to do what you've really, you've always wanted to do, but never been able to. Don't you want that? I know you do. We'll be right back. Okay, yes, it's early on a Monday morning, and if you just heard two people talking at exactly the same time <laughs> over each other, um, you're not alone. That's not that's not your brain. Um, yes, we'll get it fixed. No, you don't need to um, tweet us, or you don't you don't even need to text me. I'm 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 well aware. Two things played at the same time. Uh, this is mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. 
Dave Burring is here from Lionshare. You can find what we're talking about at lionshare.org. Also want to encourage you to check out uh, Lionshare Leadership Group's uh, new app. You just go to Lionshare Leadership Group. You're going to get a daily two-minute video devotional from Dave um, on the character of the characteristics of God. Um, just wonderful content and really edifying. And, you know, you've got two minutes for that. So there you go. It's a great thing to share with somebody else to invite them into a conversation this year also about the attributes and characteristics of God. All right, we're talking today about repentance here at the beginning of a new year. How um, how repentance is the way that Christians reset. It's different from being sorry. It brings about a heart and a life change. It It reorients us to God, like gets us actually like turned and not only looking in the right direction, but headed in the right direction. Um, So Dave, let's talk a little bit. Let's reflect together about like, how do we actually do this? What are some things that I might do? Um, How do I ask the Holy Spirit to help me in this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really good, Carmen. It's I think the first thing is it's it's settling into a quiet place. And I think sometimes we have a hard time with that. We we don't know how to get quiet. And uh, it's one of the reasons you'll often hear pastors and disciple makers in your life say, hey, have a quiet time each day. It's just, you know, which means, <clears throat> excuse me, setting aside some time in a quiet place where you can read read the Bible, where you can have some time in prayer, where you might be able to express your love to the Lord and worship. But, but it also can be a great time to get to a place of quiet so you can ask some questions um, that, that will help you reflect a little bit deeper. Like if you really want to be serious about dealing with the sin of your heart. Uh, when I was a young guy in Youth with a Mission, a missions organization I served, uh, Lauren Cunningham, who's the founder of that organization, was teaching one day on repentance. And he asked these five questions, and I'll I'll hit a couple of these, Carmen, and we can visit and hit some more. But it's like, here's the first question to ask. As the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, ask him to show you the commands of God in Scripture that you broke by committing that sin. So in other words, just instead of it just being, okay, I I lied, I have this habit of lying, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry, forgive me, and we move on. It's getting to the root of the thing. And it's, it starts by saying, okay, what, what commands of God in Scripture ha- have I you know, broken by doing this? Another one to ask is invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the people that you've hurt through that sin. See, when, sometimes this now, here's the commands of God I've broken, but now you start understanding, wow, I wiped that person out. Mm-hmm. I defamed them. I... Let's stay in the lying category. I I wounded so many relationships, so much so now that they can't even trust me. But see, if we just kind of bump through, well, Lord, forgive me, I lied, blah, blah, blah. You're not getting your heart transformed. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, in the culture, like we've sneered in the direction at uh, like microaggressions. But the reality is... If somebody feels sinned against, they feel sinned against. Um, totally. And so it's not okay for me to say, well, you know, they're 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 not thick skinned enough. That's really not what this is about. Like if I if I wounded someone, then as a Christian, my testimony is now at risk, right? And yep. so I need to be more concerned about um, 
uh, about regaining um, the trust necessary to be a representative of Christ than I am concerned about um, myself, my, Mm -hmm. you know, my own pride or my own Mm -hmm. need to be, I don't know, right in the face of another person. Like, right, I'm going to just stand there and I'm just going to be right. (laughs) Well, not if not if my standing there and being right is just constantly inflicting pain on another person. Like, that's just not very Jesus-y. No. (laughs) And that's a good word, Jesus-y. You know, it's like, it's like it's something we have to realize that the ambassadorship that we carry, that, that mm. like we are the representatives of God on the planet. And let's not think about that from the big power and authority side. Just think about that as Jesus revealing himself to the world around us. And it, it's kind of like, you know, in the media, we've, we've got this thing out there called The Chosen, you know, which many people have watched, and it gives a it gives a really good biblical representation of what I think probably Jesus's attitudes were like, what his relationships were like, how he handled and walked with his disciples, and and we're supposed to reflect that kind of thing to the world around us. Let me give you a third reflection point here. Ask the Holy Spirit to uncover the true motives of your heart that led you to that sin. So, in other words. What are the commands of God I've broken? Who are the people I've hurt? Now you dig a little bit deeper. Okay, what was the actual motive here? And this is where you come up with things like, I was feeling rejected. Um, I was feeling insecure. I was operating out of fear. So in other words, you're really getting to the root of what the issue is. So it's you're repenting for your actual sin action, but you're also getting to the root so that whether you need healing from God in that area, whether you just need to own that area and ask him for transformation, you know, it gets you there. And, and another question is, invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you the influences in your life that pointed you towards that sin. So now you're dealing with your surroundings. Okay, now how did I get teed up to this place? And, and the last one is kind of a heavy-duty one for me. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you hindered God's work and aided Satan's cause through that sin. If, if nothing else should make us sick to our stomachs, this one should. And I, I realized by my sin, my selfishness, my fear, my own insecurities, it, it hindered what God wanted to do in that moment. And it actually aided Satan's cause. So these are five like repentance reflection points that allow you, again, not to navel gaze, not to beat yourself up, but to get to the heart of the matter. All right, Dave, now um, you went from, like, you know, teaching to serious meddling there. Um, (laughs) Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how you hindered God's work and aided Satan's cause through that sin. Wow, man, I don't want to be one step ahead of God. I certainly don't want to be one step behind God. Um, And I don't want to be tripping. uh, I mean, not that I ever could really trip him up, but I don't want to be a stumbling block. I don't want to be the person who gets in the way of God working in the life of another person. And I certainly don't want to be aiding, assisting, and abetting Satan. Like, I don't yeah. I don't want to be that person. No. Um, and so when we talk about the new year and we talk about repentance, this is one of the conversations that we're having. Like, help me see, I mean, a Holy Spirit, help me see where I'm in God's way. Like, instead of being in the way and, and like, positively, like, walking step-by-step, uh, with the Lord by the Spirit, I'm actually like in His way as a stumbling block mm-hmm. in the life of another person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so that's just huge. And I think that's just that's just particularly helpful at the outset of this new year. Well, and, you know, a biblical reference point for that is the story of Peter. When Peter went to Jesus, you know, remember, he's just mm. declared, you're, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, you know, Peter on this rock, I will build my church. And then and then imagine the scene. He pulls Jesus aside, kind of like, can you imagine, hey, big guy, you don't have to do this cross thing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the word there is the word that we get for offense. And, and it's like there was this offense thrown at Jesus by Peter, Peter not knowing what he was doing with this, but him trying to hinder Jesus from the mission for which he came. And we have to realize that one of the places where we often need to repent for that we don't pay attention to, and you and I have talked about this before, but now is as good a time as any to look at it again, is picking up offenses. That when people, other people have been hurt or they've been wrong, and we go picking those things up, it, it does something in us that we need to come before the Lord because you never have the grace of God to carry an offense. You always are verbalizing, you're upset inside, your veins are bulging in your neck as you're yelling. And, and so it's a good time of the year as well to say, Lord, is there any offenses that I have picked up that I also need to own and repent from. Because God does not want us walking in offense. He wants, wants us walking cleanly in our hearts in those areas. So helpful. So helpful. Dave, um, Happy New Year. Thank you so much. We look forward to the conversations we're going to have in the year ahead. Um, that is Dave Burring. You can find him and tons of resources, including what we talked about today, and access to the app at lionshare.org. We'll be right back. Hey, thanks for um, all the text messages this morning. Love to hear from you. You can always text me during the show at 877-933-2484. Hearing from uh, a friend who says, hey, really appreciated Robert Morris uh, last night on Worship and the Word Weekly. Um, His uh, his entire message was on the subject of repentance and metanoia, the change, uh, the change of mind that takes place. Um, when we turn from sin toward God. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Anne uh, chimed in on the earlier question about the honor system. What have you bought maybe from a roadside stand that was operating by an honor system? Uh, Anne says they bought pumpkins this past fall uh, from uh, some some neighbors who had a pay box next to the wagon where the pumpkins were sitting. I am really, really curious what you're buying um, in places where, you know, there's not a person standing there monitoring the sale. Um, you are you're purchasing, maybe you're selling something, but maybe you're purchasing something. Maybe it is a product. Maybe it's a service. Uh, and you're paying for it on Venmo or via an honor system, system with a cash box or something like that. I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Where is that happening? What are you buying? What are you selling that way? Text me at 877-933-2484 or email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. All right. The, uh, we, we have talked about the, what's happening before the United States Supreme Court. And we, um, and we had talked about a case that the Supreme Court has heard oral arguments in related to the federal government's vaccine mandate issued through OSHA. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Uh, Justice Sonia Sotomayor made headline news with a frankly pretty bizarre false claim that there were over 100,000 children with COVID in serious condition. The actual factual number is less than 3,000. 
And that wasn't the only odd and completely false statement that was made and and then left unchallenged during the Supreme Court's Q&A in oral arguments. Dr. Adam Carrington is going to join us next to explain. What do you do when you find out your teen's been lying to you? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Some parents grossly overreact, and others are convinced their kid will just grow out of it. Both responses to lying completely miss the mark. If you find that your teen has lied to you or someone else, I'd suggest several steps. First, describe the dishonest behavior so you both know and admit it happened. Second, tell your child how you feel about it and how your values prohibit it. Third, and most important, affirm that you know your child can do better. Mom and Dad, you can give your child confidence to do what's right. Don't let those little lies slide by. When dishonesty shows up in your home, confront it. Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. That's parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining us now, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. You can find him on Twitter at Carrington AM. Adam, Happy New Year and welcome back. Happy New Year to you all and also happy Epiphany since that just came up too. Yes, absolutely. And we talked about Epiphany. Um, We talked about the way God reveals himself and we talked specifically about uh, the wise men uh, visiting Jesus, uh, hoping that if you're listening right now, you have allowed God to turn the light on in your life. Jesus is the very light of the world, and the darkness shall not overcome him. So that's um, that's good news of great joy for all people, no matter the day. So, Adam, thanks for the reminder of that. All right, will you just assess for us, remind us what's going on um, before the Supreme Court in relationship to the vaccine mandate issued through OSHA, um, and then sort of give us your sense of what happened in oral arguments. Right. And this got rushed up to the Supreme Court because of just how big a deal it is. And it was actually two cases. One was OSHA, uh, the government agent, the federal agency, putting out a requirement that all employers with more than 100 employees have to either vaccinate, require the workers to be vaccinated or have them do a kind of mask and test regimen. The other was requiring all healthcare workers at facilities that get Medicare or Medicaid funding to also be vaccinated absent a health and and religious exception. And so both were before the court. There was about three and a half hours of oral arguments last Friday. And it looks like, uh, just to say up front, my guess is it's probably going to be a split decision. Uh, Starting with the OSHA rule, the court majority seemed skeptical of that rule. That's the 100 employee mandate for two broad reasons. Uh, one was who was doing it, that it was an agency doing it, not Congress, and that they were doing it based on a really broad reading of a statute that Congress passed. So these agencies are supposed to be carrying out the laws. They're not supposed to be ultimately making them. They're supposed to be doing what Congress tells them. So the idea is this is a lot for a bureaucrats to be doing kind of solo. The second reason they were really skeptical was just how unprecedented and big it was, that it really is uh, regulating the in, all, most of the private industry 
uh, about two thirds of, of businesses meet this requirement. And the idea being that there's not much distinction between different kinds of businesses. There's not di much distinction between workplace environments, between the kind of people involved, who's more at risk or not, and that it's pretty ham-fisted. You know, uh, the, the, the laws are supposed to really be tailored to circumstances and that this isn't. Uh, on the other hand, they seem much more open to the healthcare worker one. Uh, mm -hmm. And the reason being for kind of the opposite reasons. This is not all industries. It's healthcare. It's in hospitals. It's it's where people are sick. It's where people might be more susceptible uh, to to being uh, uh, you know the the worst consequences of COVID, and it's tied to federal funding. Um, you know, there, there, there there's you know, parents. I'm sure have have told their 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 kids. You know, it's ultimately my money. I can say how you how it gets spent on you. Uh, the federal government has a bit of that power, too, where they say, if we're going to help states with Medicare and Medicaid funding, which is ultimately the federal government's taxpayer money, then we have a broader say on how you spend it. And if we want to set certain rules for the health guidelines for health care when we're using that money, uh, we have a broader way to do so. So those are kind of the distinctions that the court seemed to make over those arguments. And that's why I think you're going to probably get a split decision. I think the OSHA rule is going to go down. And I think the healthcare one is probably likely to be upheld for those reasons. So, Adam, I'll just confess to you, um, it's been a long time since I took civics. <clears throat> and so when I think about the things that I expect the Supreme Court to be hearing and then openly or publicly debating, I... I think about like, okay, is it somehow contrary to one of those things in the First Amendment? Is it is it a free speech case? Is it a, um, you know, is it a freedom of religion case? Like whatever. What is the constitutional issue being debated, or is this a debate about something else? That that that's that's a really good point. So often, uh, con law classes will be divided into two. Uh, and, and one will be classes based on rights. And those are the things that are more knowable and more the, the things we're more familiar with. Like you said, uh, is this cruel and unusual punishment? Is it violating free speech? Is it violating the right to bear arms? Um, but the other side of it is structure and powers. Mm. The idea that we govern ourselves through states and national governments, federalism, and through separation of powers, the three branches of government. And what the court was focusing on was more of that, but I would argue they are interlinked because the, the surest protection for our free speech, for our, uh, uh, for our other rights that, 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 we, that we cherish, is the mechanisms by which we decide in the democratic process. And so what, what the court, I think, is more, they, they don't want to be dictating every decision that the people make, but they do want to say, if this decision is going to be made, it needs to be made by the people's representatives ultimately, because we're freer in that way. Our rights are more secure in that way than if unelected bureaucrats are doing so. So you're right. Ultimately, that's the thing we're more familiar with. And that's the purpose of government is, as the Declaration says uh, of Independence says, to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. But what the, the genius of the Constitution is to say, it's not just your goal that matters, it's how you get there. 
and how you do it and how you decide. And we need to protect a process that maximizes deliberation, that maximizes representation, and that what the court was worried about here was, are we undermining the role of states and the people's representatives in this process? And therefore, letting rights violations come in through the back door rather than the front door of a frontal First Amendment violation or something like that. Okay, so Adam, we've been um, uh, having a, an unofficial poll this morning. Um, uh, so this is going to be a completely different subject matter. Just And it should be easy to answer, and you don't have to answer immediately. I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. Have you ever pulled off to the side of the road um, at a stand of any kind that had an honor system for paying for something? So I want you to hold that question in mind. Um, so I want to say thank you to uh, the people who are answering that question on the text line this morning. Um, thank you to Anne who let us know about the pumpkins that she bought on the honor system. Thank you uh, to the person who shared from the 701 area code about cutting down their own Christmas tree on the honor system. Uh, and, and now a friend chiming in to say, yes, we purchased night crawlers uh, at a rural residential home in a little makeshift cooler type stand at the end of their driveway. You can get one, two, or sometimes five dozen worms. I mean, that's amazing, right? Small drop box with a padlock on it to place your money in honor system working here. Yes, thank you so much for that. Uh, we're going to hear from Adam Carrington about his honor system experience on the side of a road in just a moment. You're my defender. All right. Thank you for the reminder. Um, I think this comes from, let's see, Tammy, uh, who has shared purchasing bike passes and state park day passes uh, on the honor system. And then Chad chiming in. Here is a picture of an entire bait shop in a rural location run on the honor system. Yes. Thank you so much. All right. Adam Carrington, Dr. Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. Have you ever bought anything on the honor system? And if so, what and where? Okay, I and not on the roadside, although I have bought roadside. I one time went in for uh, a, a small uh, auto mechanic work on my car, and they 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 basically told me because of uh, I, I didn't have the cash at that time, and there and and they didn't want to run the credit card. They said, "Well, just come back when you have the cash, and don't worry about it. Just come when you can do it." So I guess that would be my closest to do it. That, and that's all. That's the nice thing about living in a small town is they said, "We know you're good for it. Just come back when you have when you have the cash for it." So that's okay. my closest one. No, I think that's. I I think there's a. Um, I, I think there's a redemptive theme here and something that we should be talking more about. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, Steve says, we go to a dairy farm in Hudson, Ohio, any time of the day to get milk and ice cream, and you just leave a payment in the jar. <gasps> see, I think I'm going to have to make a tour of all of the honor system locations that people are uh, that texting in about. I just, I love that. I'm, I'm on a kick this morning. All right, so um, let's talk a little bit about the Electoral College, because, and, you, and people are going to like roll their eyes and see, be like, what? What? Okay, so there's a reason behind this. We, we need to talk about why we count votes the way we count them in the United States of America, because this goes back to the conversation about what happened on January 6th last year, which we just passed the anniversary of. And so, Dr. Adam Carrington, can you remind us what the Electoral College is how and why we count votes the way we do, and maybe make a contemporary assessment of it. Right. So, so there's the, the, the ultimate 
uh, system is the constitutional one. And what that does is it actually determines the winner of the presidency by electoral votes, not popular votes. And the way that you allocate electoral votes is you take the number of House members and Senate members from each state, and that's how many electoral votes they each get. Each state then gets to determine for themselves how are they going to allocate those electoral votes, and most do it by a popular election in their own borders. And then whoever gets a majority of the total of all of them, so winning enough states that you get uh, uh, what is now 270, because that's uh, 50% plus one, that is the person that actually becomes president of the United States. And, uh, you know, that system is confusing to some because we, we often the popular vote and the electoral vote align, but they haven't always, uh, as we saw in 2016, 2000, and in some previous elections. Uh, but that, that's the constitutional system. What uh, we saw on, on January 6th more was a debate about how to then certify those electoral college results because the last step is once the states make those decisions, they send them to Congress and Congress certifies them, and then you officially move on to the president being inaugurated. And there, there was a disputed election in 1876 where there were several states where more than one slate of electors was sent. It was during Reconstruction. There was a lot of claims of voter suppression of African-American voters and, and other things. And they didn't really know in Congress how to deal with disputed electors. Uh, that really hadn't been enough of an issue. And they made kind of a mess of it. They, they tried to form a commission that fell apart, you know, that, that did a very borderline partisan vote on who they uh, allocated votes to. And so to try to stave that off, in 1887, they passed what was called the Electoral Counting Act of, of 1887, and um, it was meant to clarify how that last step goes after the states have decided, after they've sent things in. And, um, uh, and, and since its start, there's been complaints that it was poorly written, that it's not clear. And I think that while there's certainly partisanship played in, some of the confusion about um, you know, the, how to handle the, 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 the debates in Congress about claims of election fraud, claims of other things, came from the ambiguities in this act, uh, and some, uh, where, where, somewhat, where it wasn't entirely clear, as clear as, crystal clear as it could be about what the vice president was supposed to do, where it's extremely easy for someone with a partisan reason, not a good, common good reason, to object to electors, uh, to make a political point. And not a clear standard for what's an acceptable objection to saying that electors from certain states were fraudulently put in place. And so there has been some renewed talk in the wake of January 6th about what's one thing that Democrats and Republicans might be able to get together on. Uh, they're probably never going to be able to get together on about agreeing exactly what happened in 2020 or, or on all kinds of election reforms that both want. But could we for the sake of putting some points of the future dispute to rest, agree to the rules beforehand on how we're going to make those decisions. Not in a way right now that 
is going to privilege, you know, whether we want Camilla Harris deciding who the next president is or Mike Pence. But is it something that we can agree on? Let's set the rules beforehand, not in the middle of the game. And can we clarify how we make that decision so that there's at least one less point of tension uh, that, 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 that going forward for what will, I'm sure, be a contentious 2024 election? And one last point I just make on that is it's part of a bigger question of the rule of law. If we're really going to be led by the rule of law, we need clearly written laws. Mm -hmm. And this is only adding to the partisanship. Uh, and, and what fills the vacuum is partisanship when the rules aren't clear. So that's, I think, one concrete way that we could not settle all of our partisan differences, but at least set some ground rules we can agree on beforehand. Yeah, I think that knowing what the rules are, determining the rules together during a season when it's not, you know, <clears throat> it's not the hot debate um, and going ahead and saying, OK, this is this is our electoral system. But there's just so many parts of it that have been gone undefined for so long. And we've now reached the time where defining those things is really important. And then um you know, concretizing them in law so that we all know going in exactly what's going to happen when we reach a point um, of uh, of controversy. I just it, it's it's helpful. That's the way uh, a system of law and order is supposed to work. So thank you for that clarification. All right, Adam, we got to leave it right there. Thank you so much. I am uh, giving a shout out to Hudson, Iowa, Hudson, Iowa. Apparently, I read, I mean, I was looking at Iowa and I said Ohio, and that's because I have a friend who lives in Hudson, Ohio. And so I said that, but but really the dairy farm is in Hudson, Iowa, Iowa, where you can drop in at any time of the day and get milk or ice cream, et cetera, and leave a payment in the jar. Stephen, thank you so much. Um, and Katie, thank you for the picture of the um, handmade loon basket. It's adorable. All right. So come to find out, in addition to sending me text messages at 877-933-2484 of all of the honor system uh, places that you've been and things you've uh, purchased there, you can send me pictures. I love that. I love that. So, Stephen, thank you for the picture of the bait shop. Katie, thank you for a picture of the loon basket. It's just awesome. We'll be right back. Okay, uh, tonight's reminder is from Romans, uh, re rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, because tonight is the college football championship game, Alabama versus Georgia. You may not care about that, but you might care about the Vikings or the Packers or the Titans. Yeah, we're rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep today. we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.